0: To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log
1: on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at
0: KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County. Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit ConflictHealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning?
1: Well, Lloyd, today our show is about healing after suicide. And suicide is something that in our culture we really try and not talk about, but that is something that many people. Um, have family members or friends who have committed suicide or they have maybe contemplated it themselves at a dark night of the soul. So this is something that we want to bring in into the light and have a healing for people. And we've been, I've been reading this beautiful book called Heaven is for Healing, A Soul's Journey After Suicide. And this is by our guest, uh, Joseph Gallenberger, Ph.D. He's a psychologist. And we're going to find out about his story and how he got into this. But let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Joe Gallenberger is a clinical psychologist with 30 years experience, and he is in demand internationally as a psychokinesis and manifestation workshop provider. He's a senior trainer at the Monroe Institute and created its highly successful MC Squared program. We can find out a little bit about that today, too. He developed the home study, Syn Creation, a course in manifestation, and has taught over 80 Inner Vegas adventure workshops. He has written several books, including Inner Vegas, Creating Miracles, Abundance and Health, Liquid Luck, and Brothers Forever. The Good Fortune Handbook is another one. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Liquid Luck, the Good Fortune Handbook. And these books continue to receive rave reviews, but I've got his newest book right here it's called heaven is for healing a soul's journey after suicide and this is really dealing with his brother's suicide a very close older brother that he had and we'll hear about his story joe has also produced seven meditation cds that help with healing and abundance creation You can find out more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com, where you'll see his picture, his bio, JPEG of his book, but also at syncreation, syncreation, S-Y-N-C, C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N.com and heavenisforhealing.com. So thank you, Joe, for joining us from beautiful North Carolina this morning.
0: You're welcome. Uh, it's good to be on the show with you.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about why you wrote this beautiful book, Heaven is for Healing.
0: Well, one one thing that happened, my brother's suicide is about uh, twenty twenty five years ago. And um, it struck me and the family very hard, of course. And I wrote a book called Brothers Forever at that time. But also, it took me on a... You know, long journey, about two decades long, where I was wondering, because my brother was a good man, intelligent, hardworking, honest, um, what's going on that a good man such as him would have such difficulty? And uh, I really learned that it's not enough to uh, do all the hard work. You also have to feel deserving of goodness for it to come to you. Uh, And many other things so it took me on this journey to study manifestation for about the last 20 years so and on his anniversary of about 20 years of his death I Thought gee it took me on this big adventure and changed what I did in my life in terms of my work I wonder what he's been doing so Mm -hmm. uh, began to look at what he'd been doing on the other side for the last two decades and I thought that was important after what I learned to convey it to people because as you mentioned we do have such a dark view of suicide and um when my brother died for example, his mom being raised Catholic uh had to contemplate him being in hell for all eternity. Um in many cultures they take away the family's property, in many cultures it's still a felony. Um, even in the New Age culture, if you will, Folks will say, oh, gee, if you do that, it's such a failure. You have to repeat the life, and it'll be twice as hard as it was before. And that's not the kind of information I found. So I wanted to get out uh, what my experience was contacting uh, him on the other side as well as some very high guides about how suicide is treated when people uh, do end their life and, and go over there into the spirit life.
1: Now, being that you were raised Catholic, how is it that you became open to hearing him on the other side and being open to that, and how how did that all arise? Well, I had
0: a lot of oneness experiences as a kid, and so I uh, really uh, came at this uh, Catholic religion, if you will, from a Christian mystical tradition. And then in college, began to study Eastern religions uh, and uh, got my degree in psychology. And with that, began to learn about meditation. That got me in touch with the Monroe Institute. And the nice thing about that place is you can explore yourself and consciousness with no need for any dogma. So um, Republicans, Democrats, atheists, uh, Buddhists, uh, fundamentalist ministers all come there and, and explore together with great respect for each other. Um, so that was my background. And uh, right before suicide, the week before, in fact, I was a participant in Monroe Institute's first ever Lifeline program where they dealt with soul rescue, if you will, uh, being able to meet people as they transitioned, help them make a good transition to the other side. So I was pretty primed. Uh, to be curious and also to help uh, any way I could uh, when I found out my brother had ended his life.
1: I know that was pretty devastating for you. So tell my audience oh. about how you did connect with him um, after suicide.
0: Yeah, I had already been familiar with the brainwave technology called Hemisync that they use at Monroe and the nice thing about that is you don't have to have any meditation experience and usually you can relax and then open the spirit very quickly with it um... so in fact right after i heard the news i had to call my folks and tell them that their child had died i told my daughter then i laid down to do some meditation i didn't immediately feel his presence but felt more like angelic consolation if you will but within days Uh, I began to feel like I was connecting with him some, and the first thing he sent to me was kind of like a street sign with a gavel, a judge's gavel and a line through it with the thought, no judgment. And he was so Mm -hmm. happy to find over there that he was met with love and not judgment. Um, And we began um, connections fairly regularly um, as I went to... um, and do this book, I also connected with who uh, I think is one of the best uh, channelers in all the world. I had dealt with her and, uh, even before Pete's suicide, Pam Hogan, and I asked to set up uh, four or five sessions with her to talk also through her with Pete about this whole area of how suicide is treated on the other side, and they were very happy on the other side, including Pete, to engage in that project. They wanted to get the word out, if you will, uh, that uh, you're met in a loving way. Uh, In fact, the uh, first session we had, the energies were so powerful I could not sit down. I had to walk around during the uh, session, and uh, I was weeping, and the uh, Chandler Pam was weeping at all the compassion, the wave upon wave we felt, For the people remaining who have had to experience the loss of a loved one this way as well as um, the souls who um, have decided to end their life and how they're greeted there Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a not just an intellectual curious exercise if you will but became a very um, uh, powerful uh, experience in the compassion that's there in the universe and the main message was all death leads to light mm. and uh, I was, thought it was important to get that out
1: and so um, tell us you know a lot of people don't even want to think of suicide so you know um, what was the reaction to your first book and, um, and then how is it that you felt we were ready for this book
0: and the first book uh, was well-received. Um, it's funny, I live in a rural area in the, in the Bible Belt down south, and I got more flack for doing a uh, uh, conference on sexual impotence in my you know, <laughs> community where we had a urologist and a neurologist and myself you know, talking about that issue. Uh and, as working as a therapist, too, you know, over the years I've found even in this conservative area, people who've lost a loved one often do feel contact of some sort um so it was received okay. this one, I was concerned that um you know the first book really talked about how much devastation there is in families when this is right. done, how right. to heal from that, but this book saying that uh you know, there is not everlasting hell and you, you, you know, you can be met with compassion. Uh, I was concerned because I didn't want to encourage suicide because I still think, as as it says in the book very clearly, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, And uh, so the response was kind of variable. I've been on a hundred radio shows on my other book topics. And many of those shows, like me as a guest, but declined on doing a show on suicide. Hmm. Uh, In Europe, they are very cognizant of the increase in suicide, and they're developing clinics to help people and the loved ones remaining. In the U.S., it's still quite buried. Hmm. Um, And so uh, that said, I kept getting people come and take me aside from the sound engineer that does my uh, cds the latest is called ocean heart to help with the broken heart from suicide Mm. he said to me you know he lost his 15 year old son to suicide and many many people even in the uh, previewing of the book before it was published uh, said it was very helpful even if they didn't have anybody suicide right next to them, just helped with the loss of other loved ones that they had had. Um, so the response has been good that way, but what really blew me away is I began to get letters from people saying they'd been thinking of suicide for years and years and the book helped them see why that would not be a good idea and also helped them kind of lift out of the way they have been looking at their life into a more inspired way. So that made the whole thing worthwhile to me.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, um, we recently passed a law in California, like I think it's Oregon, where someone who's terminally ill can choose uh, assisted suicide. Yeah. And um <laughs> It, it, they don't call it assisted suicide, you know but but yeah. but that's basically what it is and there's there was all sorts of upheaval about that, but a young woman who had gotten terrible cancer and there was she was in such pain, you know that was um that's being more acceptable um yeah. lately as just being when you're in such pain, but people don't realize like your brother was in such emotional and mental pain when he you know, he felt like such a failure as, as you wrote, you know, in the book is that even though he had so much really going for him, he had all this bad luck, one thing after another, because of the way he, whatever blocks he put up. Um, but his was a deep emotional pain, right?
0: Yeah. So Marie that we have, uh, did I pronounce your name correct?
1: Yeah. Yes, you did. Marie.
0: Okay. Uh, you know, we're talking about a topic that runs a gamut. We've had a six-year-old commit suicide recently mm. and an eight-year-old after being bullied. We have people with just right. two weeks to live in terminal cancer pain. We have the impulsive adolescent, and then we have people that have been in pain for decades. And so in some ways we have to be careful uh, not to judge ever, right. but particularly even, you know, this is... Uh, Covers a range of things, and in fact, it's treated differently depending on the circumstance um, on the other side. So, um, um, you know, knowing that we're, we're, we're kind of covering a large behavior area, not just one thing, is right. helpful. Um, the uh, it seems like you know when we die, we carry our emotions and a lot of our um, thinking with us. And so if we have created a hellish environment on Earth for ourselves, um, they can have a little trouble getting us out of that, if you will, and they may even put us in almost a coma-like state for a while and work with us unconsciously. Um, But at some point, it looks like we all do, being held lovingly and compassionately, need to look at the life we have lived, whether we've suicided or not, see how it could have been different if we had chosen differently. Um, and that can be uh, pretty stressful if we've ended our life prematurely. Um, but eventually, um, you know, we, we can get into entering a healing. That could take months or it could take a hundred, hundreds of years depending on how deeply we went over into the darkness, if you will. So, you know, this area also encapsulates murder suicide types of things and um so you know i think it's good to know there's a variable response but in the main when people lose a loved one to suicide uh, usually it's something because they've had distorted thinking right um, you know um my My wife had a boss commit suicide, leaving three young children. Uh, And his thought would be, the world is better off without me. But even with my brother, for example, we got notes from grocery store clerks, bank tellers, saying how much he meant to them. Yet in his mind, the world would be better off without him. So to understand if you're contemplating this, uh, that your thinking is likely to be very distorted. Right. And and yet, uh, you know... If if the act, in fact, happens, then we need to treat everybody left with compassion and know that there's even hope for the person who has left. Right. Uh, it might be a good time just to mention there's a suicide prevention line. Yes. Uh, this is national. It's a government line. So I called a couple times, you know, because you could wait at the DMV for a month for an appointment, you know. <laughs> uh and so I called the number and somebody answered the first ring every time I called. Mm. And that number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. 273 8255 So if anybody in the audience or knows somebody who's struggling, that's a great number to call. And yes. I think you'll be putting that on your website yes. and on my website as well.
1: Yes. So that's 800-273-8255. And so, you know, being a psychologist, do you find that um, I, I, you know, we always hear that young people um, seem to not see that there is hope for the future. And so we have a lot of suicides in high school and in college. Is that more than in the general adult population?
0: It's very high right now for veterans and for what I can still consider children when you're in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of that could be buried I had we had great depression in my own family so I had depression from probably six years old on and I always had in my mind I'll wait till I go to college because finally I'll be out of the house there'll be so much change but if things don't get better when I get there then i you know would contemplate taking my life so I think some people get to college where nobody's been worried about them since but they've been under stress all through high school Perhaps even longer, and when they get there and they're isolated from their family and they have the pressures of that environment, um, that tends to come in, as well as you know drugs and alcohol and other things that increase impulsiveness can be there. Um, so we do have almost an epidemic rate right now. In, in our college kids in our and our even our late teen teen kids that are at home that don't go to college,
1: right, and we have bullying and we have all sorts of yes, you know uh with the social networking, people can be so mean and people take it seriously and it's it's very, very sad. I want to just say that number again, eight hundred two seven three eight two five five is the National Suicide Hotline. So if you're on the campus and you're listening to this and you have a roommate that you're worried about, or it's you yourself or someone else you know, please jot that down, 800-273-8255. Let's talk a little bit more about non-physical lives, what you've learned from your brother and Pam, as you, and what you've learned in these last 20 years about that.
0: Sure, it's... Uh... A lot of things were a little surprising to me uh, even the idea of no judgment uh, the intelligence there and, and how to almost like a medical triage how to meet a soul who is transitioning over and um, it seems like we do usually uh, meet loved ones who have passed um, have uh, help that people could uh, interpret as angelic help if you will because of the great feelings of compassion and light. Um, there seems to be a more of a fine-tuning than I thought. As if, uh, if you're intellectual, you might find yourself in a university classroom type of situation where you're learning about the physics of love and the energies needed to do well on the earth plane. If you were more emotionally uh, based, you might have... Uh, a different kind of experience there. Um, It does seem that they can see us well, even if we can't see them, and uh, many people after death do try to help the loved ones left behind uh, have a smoother grieving process, if you will. Um, At some point, there looks like there can be a choice of uh, coming back into another life, and their one surprise was uh, they said, my brother, as well as many people who have had a very difficult life, often are reluctant to come back because it's right. is a challenging planet. Right. So they, there is the possibility of doing uh, a simulated life, if you will, almost like a lucid or very vivid dream, where, while wow, it's going on, you feel it's real, but you don't have to put, pick up a physical body to do it. Huh. It seems like when you pick up a physical body, uh, it takes some courage because the problems and such are coded into your very DNA. So these uh, simulated lives, if you will, my brother jo- is joking, he's going to do one next. He <laughs> looks at it as uh, Olympic training for a, for a life yeah, yeah. where you can exp- explore reacting in different ways. and. Uh, and and do things in a quite an efficient way, if you will, compared to the big production of coming into a physical life. Uh, so that's an option I wasn't aware of.
1: That's that's uh, interesting because I think about when we come into this body, you know, we have this brain. We've got our primitive brain, you know, with the amygdala mm-hmm. as a fight, flight, freeze. You know, <laughs> we've yeah. got all those. We got those ego issues. I would think if you did a pseudo Um, life you might not have to have all that
0: (laughs) it's a little easier and then I said well why why come back at all Then you know but the beauty here and the amount of uh, growth that's possible here and even though you don't remember other lives you begin to get a soul wisdom through those Mm. so that if you have a dark night of the soul while you're here if you will you, you tap into this deep well of strength that you have uh, from other life experiences when you've been here, uh, so that uh, it's definitely worth coming, and yet nothing wrong with they trying great compassion there to not set it up in a way where you're likely to fail, mm-hmm. uh, but rather um, that you have a good chance of success to meet what you need to do. My wife lost a child to uh, brain cancer at six years old. Oh, my God. She knew mm. that before coming into this life and many other things that would happen in this life. Mm. She was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. But also she's you know, pretty in-touch lady. She's in touch with knowing this was just what was needed uh, mm. to accomplish what she needed to accomplish. And so she consented voluntarily to come back, even with... Knowing there would be some very tough challenges, mm. uh, now she's getting to enjoy her beautiful grandchildren and you know many other things, but all along the way, she's had some rough spots, of course, like we all do
1: yeah, so what would you say your brother's death really taught you? I know you were very close with him you you adored your brother, he taught you so much I mean, I read. Um, you know, how beautiful a relationship you had with him. You brought him out to North Carolina. You, you know, you cared so much for him. Um, what did his death teach you?
0: Uh, one, I could put into a phrase that I actually have on my wall on a wood sign uh, that fear is expensive, love is priceless, choose mm. Uh that I think, mainly he got in trouble for choosing fear over love mm. um that uh, that there the infinity of life and the infinity of compassion that's available to us is important to me um i uh, i think that it uh, now in our culture um, there's there's a couple things I think that go on. As I thought about this whole idea of suicide and why it's so buried in the shadow, I think it's because when any of us don't express our full potential why in a physical life, it's like a mini-suicide. Mm. We've shut down and, and uh, by fear moved away from options to be our fullest. And so in our shadow, I think we feel some guilt for our own lack of meeting our own potential that makes suicide such a uh, shadow thing that we can't talk about, um, that came to me as well. Uh, I think now because of the amount of fear being generated by political and cultural things, if we don't can start voting for love over fear, we're going to set up for us to have a really tough time here. Uh, you know, from kids. So I think this whole thing has taught me the importance of vote for love, vote for love, let your go. And I've spent a lot of time developing tools for people to be able to do that because it's easier to say than done. Um, and that's what all the meditation CDs and things are about.
1: I do think that there is a dichotomy going on. You know, I think there is an. A, a surge of spirituality and meditation. And mm-hmm. I know for me, you know, I teach mindfulness for attorneys. I mean, yeah. you know, who would have done that 10 years ago, right? And, yeah. and emotional intelligence for attorneys. I mean, they get credit for this. So, you know, when I think about that, that's becoming more mainstream. Yeah. That, so we've got that, and then we've got the fear, We've got, you know, we really have two kinds of diverging, uh, you know, evolutions going on, don't we? I think
0: so. We've got uh, definitely plenty of cause for hope because many people are focusing on their own consciousness and trying to reduce fear and becoming more compassionate. And then we have other folks who are really... um, Entranced by the fear forms that are being uh, developed right now, um, I I feel very positive that we are going to make it, if you will. Uh, and um, you know, I think it's a wonderfully interesting time to to be alive. Yes. But, uh, it's a time for great discernment, and um, so you know, many of the folks that I work with cut down their exposure to mainstream media. Um, surround themselves with people that have more of a positive frame of mind and they're not hiding their head in the sand they're working very vigorously for whatever is their favorite uh cause if you will but they uh they know they got to take care of themselves and um uh and i'd sure celebrate that you know eating very well getting out in the beauty of nature surrounding yourself by good people meditating um <clears throat> to keep and our reading balance.
1: and reading your books and it's time to go so i want okay. to just say this beautiful book heaven is for healing a soul's journey after suicide by joseph gallenberger phd and just give your website and we got to go
0: Okay, heavenisforhealing.com will get you there. Thank you for having me on the show. I hope it helps a lot of people tonight. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.